Hello and welcome to ESPN Quick Info Stump Mike I'm Kartik Ayer speaking to you after the second day's play of the Lord's Test but before before we get into the action it's World Left-Handers Day with me today are Deban Sen and Varun Shetty Deban or Varun are either of your left-handers uh, I am actually bidextrous because uh, very wow. early when I started playing uh, any sort of sport uh, two major influences I had were Brian Lara and Vinod Kambli so Uh, at probably the age of about ten uh, or eleven, I just decided that I have to nail the square cut. So I started playing left-handed, and I think Varun has seen me play left-handed quite often. So yeah, I I, I think Devan plays left-handed in tennis ball <laughs> cricket, and uh, when we play the corporate tournament, he turns right-handed. Uh, <laughs> doesn't really help us much when we get uh, <laughs> bowled out for ninety, uh, fielding a team with nine players usually. So. <laughs> maybe maybe they want more stick more towards the left and then that'll be your way forward on on the, on the cricket field at least uh, uh quickly then this is the question we asked on social media varun will start with you your favorite left-handed batter and bowler because because they are better they do look better at least in the way that they play than regular old right-handers yeah it's a pretty straightforward boring answer from me it's brian lara with the bat uh wasim akram with the ball also wasim akram with the bat uh, there's nothing i like more than lower order batters just tonking it around and wasim <laughs> akram was so good at that uh yeah so those are my two very boring picks uh i guess chandrapal uh traumatized my childhood every time he played against india but uh, i've i've learned to sort of appreciate his skill as well so i guess he comes in second for me hmm deban how about you yeah i think i mean wasim akram is a default answer show so i'll try and not go with that i i quite uh, have enjoyed watching murli kartik bowl so i'll i'll probably name him as hmm. one of the more graceful left oh yeah i mean I, as long as we're talking about bidextrous i i've started to bowl left handed now and uh, my action resembles murli kartik's Uh, okay, well, what has lockdown done to you, Varun? I, I remember you grew a b- big beard one year ago, and now you're bowling left-handed as well. <laughs> I actually got a tennis elbow on my right hand, so I decided to become a left-handed bowler instead. Uh, it's not going too well. I am not breaking into any elevens. Yeah, I'm already scared about uh, the next season that the ESPN Cricket Info team will have uh, with Varun bowling <laughs> left-handed. Like he's probably one of the few genuine bowlers we have anyway. <laughs> and and for a batter, I think I'll go with Smriti Mandana. I think I really enjoy watching her bat. Uh, of course, there have been old classics like you know David Gars and Vinod Kambli's and Brian Lara's, as I mentioned. But watching Mandana play right now is quite a quite a pleasure. Okay, so now that we got out of the way, once again, listener, if y'all are left-handed, happy left-handers day to you. Now back to the test match. Simply put, Deban, does Joe Root stand between India and victory? England are one one nine for three at stumps on day two. They trail by two hundred and forty-five runs. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, if if there is to be a player who can make a difference in this test match now, and I don't think this was ever in any doubt that uh, the the central figure of their batting is uh, Joe Root principally, and I thought the Indians bowled pretty well. Uh, this is not uh, that easy a wicket to bowl on, not that easy a wicket to pick up wickets on, but uh, the Indians right through this tour have bowled with great discipline. I think that was again in evidence today. There were perhaps a few loose balls bowled, but that's always a consequence when you're uh, looking to attack for wickets. And from that perspective, I think India would be quite pleased with those three wickets. But yeah, I think Root is the key wicket. If they can get him uh, out uh, tomorrow early, then they stand a great chance of forcing the pace in this Test match. 
Varun, there has been this theme, I think, over the past couple of years, maybe, much after the Big Four was formed, that there was there was a lot of chat that does Joe Root really belong in, in that category. But every time we've seen this England side bat over the past few years, having said that, the, the batting hasn't been great, especially when you don't have Stokes in the side. But Joe Root is, is the one player that seems to stand up more than most. Yeah, and... I- it is a worrying sign, I must say, because I was thinking about this earlier that they are almost every test uh, when Ben Stokes isn't playing, being held together by Joe Root uh, in the batting and Anderson still uh, in the bowling. Uh, it's, I don't know, it, it, it's a lot of years now that this has been happening and uh, we, we discussed a little bit about how Root elected to bowl yesterday. And that was almost a direct correlation to the fact that he's simply the only guy who's been getting runs. And you don't want to expose that top three to a difficult conditions against a top attack. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it's I, I'd be really worried. And I suppose most England supporters are. And uh, every other test, you, you hear <laughs> Jeffrey Boycott in the media saying, this isn't how it's done in test cricket. Uh, he's simply not just one level, at least two levels above anyone else in that uh, lineup right now. And it's it's honestly surprising that it's gone on for this long. It is, but I, I would like to say that Rory Burns has done, did did it fairly well today as well. And he, and he has done all right in, in some of the occasions that, that we have expected him to. But just before we move on to India, Varun, and I'll stick with you on this. I think it was Michael Holding on commentary. Uh, when he mentioned that your best batter and this this debate we have had before as well should be at number three. England's number three today got out for a first ball duck. And honestly, we cannot pin any blame on Hasib Hamid simply because he's coming back into the side after so, so long against a fired up Mohamed Sirat. So where do you stand on this? Joe Root says that he's, he's not comfortable coming in at number three. But I mean, would you rather come in at one for one or 20 for two? Well, I, I I lean more towards Joe Root's uh, preference because you simply give your best batter what he wants. Uh, I mean, I mean, India struggled with that in ODIs for a bit with Sachin Tendulkar. When, if if you can remember, when he was uh, batting four at one point, not really enjoying it, uh, you would you would lean towards what your best batter wants. And as I've mentioned, he's so far above the rest that you simply put him where he belongs. Uh, Michael Holding, and uh, this is this is a view I've heard a lot from players of his generation, maybe one generation before. You hear it from Ian Chappell a lot. He writes writes it in our columns a lot. Uh, he you hear it from Gavaskar, uh, and I suppose there was there was some sort of truth to that back in the day when your technically best batter used to come in at number three, and the role was a lot different back then. Uh, and if you apply the same sort of logic to India, uh, I don't think at any point the best batter has been a three, even when Rahul Ravid was playing uh, during his days. He was clearly very good, but he was... And, and currently, you would, you would probably say that India's most out-of-form batter is batting at, at number three. Oh, yeah. I mean, form, form is sort of, uh, I guess, not permanent. But if, if you look around world cricket, you still don't see a lot of that... Uh, of a lot of that happening. Uh, I, I suppose I can only think of Kane Williamson, who 
is a best batter who still plays at three. Uh, so I don't know. The game's probably evolved. You know, the best batters these days are guys who are really good at counter punching, who are really good uh, attacking batters, who have a whole range of strokes and who generally take the game away quickly. And you will find a lot of those kind of batters in four or five these days because. Uh, obviously, it's not easy to be as aggressive at number three because you're probably coming in at one for one, uh, you know, a lot. So, yeah, I, I would completely lean with what Root says. Yeah, stick with what uh, stick with what your your captain and your the best best batter you have wants. I guess that 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 sounds fair. Let's go back to the start of the day, Deban, and India were two seventy odd for three, looking comfortable, and in, in the space of a few balls. In two overs, the, the game pretty much changed. And England England fought their way back. Ollie Robinson and James Anderson brought England back into the game with the wickets of Kale Rahul, which I thought was extremely important. I think it was, what, the second ball of the day? And then immediately following that, Ajinkya Rahane, who's, who's not been at his best of late. I know you're a big fan, but he's not been at his best of late. He he got out to to, to James Anderson, giving England that, that way back into, into the fight. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, it was completely unexpected for India to uh, wind up the way that they did because uh, even yesterday there were a lot of good balls which the Indians had effectively just about missed out on and it was always going to be a difficult challenge to begin afresh and with the you know England bowlers having had a night of rest. In fact, I must tell you on a side note, you know, uh, Cricket for Hindi has just launched, it launched yesterday uh, on the 11th rather. And just before the first ball was bowled on our Slack group, there was always a little bit of banter. There were some predictions going on. Uh, out of them, one of the commentators, Afzal Jivani, he was the only one who was a little pessimistic. He was saying that, no, no, there's a collapse coming. And he happens to be an RCB fan, so he you know, puts it down to PTSD <laughs> from having followed RCB all these years. And the others were all gung for. They were all like, no, no, 400 plus, 450. I was the only one who was saying, no, I think it will be a middle ground. I think they will collapse, but they'll get it up to about 375, which is probably what I said, 378 or something. So uh, my logic simply was that India needed to get uh, bowled out quickly because they needed to hurry the match along. So from that perspective, I think it worked out well for India, the fact that uh, the wickets fell early. Because sometimes on a, on a decent enough pitch, you don't really know what uh, uh, sort of strategy to adopt if your batsmen again get going the following day. Yes, in theory, it's a good idea to be able to launch and push forward. But if you uh, make too many runs, you also stand the risk of sort of uh, closing out the options for the other team. So as of now, I think this test match is quite well poised. Um, India probably, I mean, they'll believe that they were about 20, 30 uh, shy of what they would have wanted to set out. But uh, in retrospect, it's a pretty decent uh, total to get to. And here one must say that even though it's a very risky strategy to bat, you know, Pant at 6 and Jadija at uh, 7, but Jadeja has been doing a, a terrific job. I mean, even his innings today was very mature, the way that he handled uh, the pressure early on, the way that he was just looking for singles when he was batting with Pant, then switching gears when he was batting with the lower order. So, some pleasant signs for India. I think it's a huge risk that they've taken with the kind of tail that they have. But if it uh, helps them take 20 wickets, then why not? So, that's, that's probably the risk-reward that Kohli is looking at. You make a fair point there. Uh, 364, Varun. That, that seems... If if you look at it in the cold light of day, that seems about path to what India may have even expected being put into bat first at Lords. Yeah, they they would have taken it at the start, uh, especially because they they thought they would have bowled as well. Uh, so, uh, considering all of that, they 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 would have taken three sixty four. But uh, on the day, I think they would have felt like they severely underperformed. 
the truth of course is also that england really really bowled well today uh, it was it wasn't just anderson for a start uh, a collective effort mark wood sort of uh, picked up and he i think he got both pant and jadeja so uh, essentially the the specialist batters were taken care of with a more sort of uh, distributed workload in some sense uh, england i think uh, will be the happier team going in today uh, going into stumps uh, they i mean it, it was a slow moving day i think it was something like 200 runs all day today uh, and 10 wickets fell uh, it was attritional but the win for england is the fact that india haven't been able to run away with this game which they could well have after starting at 276 uh at the start of play on the live report i sort of mentioned uh that you know we could see a very similar approach from rahul uh today uh, in the sense that he would possibly play out uh, the first hour you know take his time like he did yesterday uh clearly that didn't work out because he was, <laughs> uh, he 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 went into that front foot drive just second ball of the day which he waited really really long yesterday to do uh so i suppose that was a bit of a miscalculation and uh, with rahane who was already scratchy i mean i it, it was it was he was really fortunate to survive last evening and england just picked straight off from there and uh very soon india were already underperforming within 10 minutes of the day yeah and you you mentioned rahane so i want to bring it to a discussion that you had on on the live report i think it was pretty pretty intense about the uh, india's three you would say on paper best batters in chetesh numbers 3 4 and 5 so, so sell sell that to our listener who haven't gone to the live report go back and read it why should they go back and read what varun shetty was discussing on the live report i'll tell you frankly that it was it was brilliant and i think debayan took it and translated for cricket for hindi as well so th- there you go there there's already a mark of approval from from debayan but what 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 did you see that is in particular happening to what is supposed to be the core of india's batting well i mean if i have to sell it the first thing i would say is that the discussion i had that we posted on the live report was with uh, nagraj gullapuri who is right now in england uh, you know sort of shadowing the team and following them around which i suppose is the real key moment i mean at this at this point you know not not a lot of Uh, publications are traveling and uh, you know it's it's really difficult or it's really difficult to be nuanced about this issue and there is a lot of nuance to it because it's three batters like nagraj said who are struggling with technique uh, two of them are struggling with confidence you can't really sort of accuse kohli of ever struggling with confidence but at the very core of it it's two two big batters struggling for confidence all three of them uh, with tweaks to the technique uh, uh, or ongoing work on their technique happening uh, which which we've gotten to uh, know about because nagraj is there and he's been sort of observing the nets he's been talking about uh, how vikram rathore is working on uh, the flex of pujara's back knee because he's opening up his shoulder and you know struggling on the fourth stump he's talking about kohli asking shastri to uh look at his head position because uh there's there's a slight sort of change in how he's approaching uh, the off stump line as well so all of that is happening and 
you've got to sort of juxtapose that with the fact that taking Pujara out or taking Rahane out of this uh, middle order would be a significant uh, change in team structure for India because they've been around for so long that India really haven't had a lot of opportunities to give uh, to a pretty big roster of young batters that are coming through, you know, who are always battling, you know, one test in, one test out. It, it, it's sort of been like that. So to even conceive of dropping either one of those guys would be to significantly alter how this team lines up. Uh, and sure, Vihari bat, has batted at number three all his life, averages close to 60 in first-class cricket, but has only played at six for India or has played as a makeshift opener when required. So there, there is a lot of nuance to this because it's not an easy decision, uh, especially with someone like Gil who's gone out because a lot of people have touted him to be you know three or four, a potential long-term replacement to Kohli. Uh, it's not as straightforward to just remove one of these guys or even, and I, I absolutely see no scenario in which both of them are going to be dropped. Uh, so there's there's a lot to ponder over and there's there's the there's the fact that you know Ravi Shastri's coaching tenure is coming to an end. The the fact that uh, whether Pujara stays in or not is not really up to the management but up to the selectors. Uh, is it's just a lot going on and so it's not as straightforward as saying hey you know this guy hasn't been doing well you can just replace him. Um, and to top it, to, 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 to top it all off, Virat Kohli thinks of these three as a collective. So they're not even, at least from what we gauge from media interactions, they're not even thinking about this as, uh, you know, an analysis of individual batters. And all three of them have very similar numbers, and uh, to put it mildly, have been struggling since 2020. So it, it, it's a lot to process. It's it's not a very straightforward decision, and. Uh, it's possibly why India will continue to give a long rope. Uh, Nagraj thinks Pujara could get another test and I, I think I'm convinced with that as well. So, uh, we won't be seeing any wholesale changes for sure. The, the, the struggles, Deban, of Pujara, of Kohli, the batting struggles, I should say, of Pujara, of Kohli and of Rahane, if you had to rank them in order of which is the least worrisome to the most or, or, or the other way around, how, how would it go? Yeah, so you've got to obviously uh, consider Kohli to be the least worrisome because even during this uh, supposedly lean patch, he has had a few good knocks where he's looked in you know better touch than the others. I think Pujara is the real worry because obviously there's a little concern about his uh, style of play as well, which has always been around. I mean, he is the kind of player who gets in, who gets you know uh, stuck between the team and the the rest, the opposition. And then he builds on those innings. But I think to be fair to him, and that's also something which both Varun and uh, Nagraj did uh, touch upon, is the fact that he's got a few really good deliveries right through this tour. So uh, you've got to excuse that kind of you know misfortune. So I just believe that there is some innings around the corner where he will have that little bit of early luck, where he won't nick one of the first balls that he's beaten with. And maybe there'll be a dropped catch or a missed run out or something, and he'll be able to turn the corner. You, you, you mentioned that part about early balls, and sorry to interrupt you there, but this brings me to something Varun said yesterday, and I wanted your point of view on it. But Varun said he does not look assured at the crease anymore. If there was something about Pujara, it was at least if the runs weren't flowing, he at least looked assured and they, that he would hold one end together. Now he looks like, and I'm I apologize for using the cliche of walking wicket. Yeah, and it's it's a fair comment. Uh, if you also notice what's happening is because he's uh, a little short of runs, he he keeps uh, you know plopping the ball somewhere and looking for a run and coming like almost halfway down the wicket. So that just tells you about his state of mind. 
and just to bring it back to exactly what varun was talking about further add to this i mean you you have to doff your hats to this uh, team management that in spite of this they are playing with you know literally with five bowlers i mean considering jadeja to be the all rounder but uh, it's just uh, uh, it's it's like a massive light of the charge of the light brigade sort of strategy here at play because india are clearly gambling on the fact that their bowlers are capable of taking 20 opposition wickets and let's be honest that this england batting lineup isn't the strongest that uh, there is going around in the world right now so they are completely gambling on that and that's where it's been so critical to have good starts from rohit sharma and kl rahul i mean two two of the best batsmen right now batters in this indian lineup and they are making up for the lack of runs from the middle order but yes i mean it has to stem the flow at some stage because all said and done while rishabh pant is exciting to watch he's not your ideal number 6 so this is where you know it's always easier in hindsight but if you go back to the wtc final you wish that india had considered playing a sixth batter but that didn't happen then and i don't see any reason why virat kohli will change his mind now you know in in the middle of this series so i would expect as well just like uh, varun said uh, the the rope to continue i would actually think that pujara will probably play right till the oval test match and at some stage i think he will get some runs behind him and let's let's hope for the same for rahane as well because he's probably the one who's just flying under the radar a bit uh, but yes i mean at some stage when india is under pressure he has to deliver some sort of a score for india to stay in the series or in a match at at any stage India's best bowler today was Mohammad Siraj. He took two wickets in two balls. Deban, I'm going to stay with you here because you have followed this Indian Test team, not just this team, but Indian Test cricket for a long, long, long time. So, Mohammad Siraj, on paper, uh, would it be safe to say that he's probably India's fourth choice fast bowler? And if he is so good, did did you ever think that such a time would come for 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 Indian cricket? Well, uh, I mean, he's he's definitely got something about him. He's got an X factor. He's you know got the ability to run in hard, bowl with good pace. Uh, even late in the day, I remember one ball which he got to jag back a huge way into Joe Root. So he's got that ability to do some strange things. Uh, of course, his uh, review skills could be uh, reviewed itself. <laughs> That's a different debate altogether. I thought uh, good bowling from him. The the fact that he got I I I think Varun will come in on on the way that he got simply out, but the ball to Hasib Hamid. was perhaps the best ball to bowl right up to somebody who's coming back to test cricket after a long time because you know that the bat- batter is probably going to be a little bit tentative and that's when you sort of uh, put it full and fast and just hope for the best and that's what uh, happened to him but i would just go back and just amend your statement and say i thought the best bowler on display was shami it just didn't get that many bo- uh, overs to bowl today but i would expect tomorrow to be a day when uh, shami and jadeja could make serious impact because i think this pitch will start to take turn but yeah i think varun will have a little bit to add on that simply dismissal Well, yeah, it's it's some it's becomes sort of endemic to Sibley's career. I think it's the fourth or fifth time he's been uh, strangled on that leg stump line. Uh, I, I'm not sure who it was in commentary. Might have been Michael Holding talking about how far away his hands were from his body as he was playing that shot, and it's something that's been troubling him ever since he's come to Test cricket. Uh, but I mean, I, I would also sort of. I also have an opposing view on uh, Hasib Hamid's wicket. I don't think it was, uh, you know, the greatest of deliveries. Uh, at at worst, it was an over pitch ball at off stump that a more confident batter might have played out. But what worked uh, during that dismissal, and of course during Sibley's, was India going back to that sort of leg trap line that they uh, that they conceived during the Australia tour. Uh, and if the listeners, you know, 
need a refresher on that. It was essentially a plan uh, conceived by the bowling coach and the bowling team of cutting out the scoring options on the offside for, for guys like Steve Smith and Manus Labushin. Uh, and essentially involved slanting the ball into them with packed leg side fields. And uh, it was a bit of a radical move uh, in the sense that when you think test cricket, you think, you know, fourth stump line, you think uh, awareness of off stump, you think of nicking to the cordon. Uh, they sort of completely flipped that around. And if you look at the Haseeb Hamid dis- dismissal, there was there was something like three catching mid-wicket fielders in sort of a, a straight line. And... Clearly, that was playing on his mind because he he ended up playing on a middle leg stump line to a pretty straight delivery that was hitting off stump. So, uh, I don't know. I don't think it was that great a delivery. Uh, it was sort of unfortunate also for Hasim Amir. It was a difficult delivery to keep out, especially... I, I, I think to be to be, to be be fair to Devan, he more indicated that, that that's probably on the stumps is the perfect ball to bowl to someone yeah, who yeah. hasn't played a test match in, 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 in five years. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> let, let him have to play at, at a delivery. So, that, that's fair enough. Well done, Siraj, as well. But Varun, what's up with the reviews? <laughs> okay, ex, ex, explain to me what was happening because... I thought, looking at the television, that Rishabh Pant was telling Virat Kohli not... The, I think it was the second review of, of, yeah. of Joe Root. Was telling Kohli not to review. But I, I don't think if the commentary got it or if I was mistaken, it just seemed like a, a mess from India's point of view. And, and it's not something that... We, we may laugh about it, but it, it, could, it could be something that could come and bite India in the unmentionables later on. <laughs> I mean, I think Pant did tell him not to take it, but he told him after he had actually taken it. And <laughs> that, that's pretty much what, what I gauged uh, from what happened on screen. Because up to then, Kohli was very chipper and, you know, he was sort of playing into the theatrics of it all because uh, the first one, Siraj had really pleaded to, for him to take it and he had reluctantly taken it. The second one, he took reluctantly, but... He, I, I think he expected more resistance from Pant, and it came after he had taken it. <laughs> it was, and, and and then the mood changed when when yeah. the missing when it came missing, the mood completely changed. Kohli was was not a happy captain. <laughs> he was not, and I don't think the mood changed uh, till the end of the day. I saw him still grumbling to Pant uh, even late in the day. Uh, so <laughs> I, I suppose it it could be both really fun and really frustrating to be around someone like Rishabh Pant. Um, but, you know, he's usually the one who's always convinced that he's right about these reviews. Uh, I suppose Kohli wanted him to be convinced one way or another and that didn't come uh, today. <laughs> that, that does Deban, does the onus also, I mean, it does, right, fall on the bowler as well? Or, or is it up to the captain and the keeper to, because bowlers think they've got wickets all the time, right? So is it up to the captain and the keeper then to temper bowlers' expectations? Yeah, I think, I mean, by and large, when you look at world cricket, uh, the person that most captains rely on, and in most, in some cases, the captain themselves are the keepers, but they do rely on keepers to a great extent. I just think in this particular occasion, I think there's this uh, team dynamic, again, another RCB reference, which will please Varun. I'm sure Siraj <laughs> is the kind of kid who, you know, when he when he wants ice cream, then even Kohli can't refuse him. So he's just got this relationship with his captain that I think he just reluctantly gave in and allowed him to have a go at it. But yeah, I mean, especially the LB, which was going down the leg side, that looked quite ridiculous. I mean, there was no yeah, there was yeah. no need to go for that at all. But yeah, I mean, that's okay. I, I don't think it'll really... 
be such a big factor in the long run. Also, we must make a mention of the fact that the umpiring has been very good. So that's been a positive fallout of the pandemic because we are seeing home umpires in home test matches. And most of them, I mean, even in the Indian domestic season, we saw an uh, outstanding you know, bit of umpiring from the Indian umpires. And, and we are seeing almost a mirror image now from England. Because these guys are used to these conditions. Even the Rory Burns LBW, I thought, was a very good decision, you know, straight up to get that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the umpiring has been good. So let's keep faith in the umpiring for the days to come. Yeah. Today, a shout out to Michael Goff, who is who is a shoe-in for a doppelganger for Novak Djokovic. Like he, he's, 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 he's had a good, this test match, he's, he's had a good, I think, a good summer in, in, in England as well. Now, quickly, guys, we're running out of time. Varun, we'll start with you. This test match is nicely poised. We have, we have spoken about the importance of Joe Root's wicket. So, what's going to happen tomorrow? England trail by 2.45. When we're speaking here 24 hours from now, where do you see this test match at? Well, at the moment, I see it pretty even. Uh, I, I think Ingl- India will be really disappointed uh, about how this day has ended. But uh, the flip side is, of course, they get now first. U- they now get the use of those overcast conditions that are likely to be around in the morning. Uh, the one, the kind of conditions that England capitalized on today. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be remiss to say that uh, another collapse could be around the corner. Uh, I don't see England taking the lead. Uh, I, I don't think their batting is deep enough. I mean, they're, they're deep enough in the sense that there are guys who can bat low down the order. But uh, you have to remember that th- this is a pretty rare test where India has been able to field their top four fast bowlers. Uh, and that that brings with it all of these nuances, like I said, with, with the leg trap and Ishant you know, uh, challenging the left-hander outside off stump. Uh, Jadeja might come in at some point as well uh, when this pitch sort of starts drying up. So, I think England are up against a really, really top-quality attack and they might not have the batting to uh, take the lead. So, I I don't see them uh, getting past 300. All right, all right. Deban, you're (laughs) known for for, for your predictions and... You usually they're pretty spot on, but we haven't had a chance to speak to you of late because of the launch of ESPN Crick Info Hindi. Congratulations, by the way, if we haven't said it yet, I'm sure we have. And of course, the Olympics that that preceded it. Uh, what's your hot take for day three of the Lord's Test? Yeah, so you've uh, provided me a perfect segue because I wanted to just uh, brag a little bit about my prediction from the previous test match. So on day four, I think it was August 7th. So India had just won another medal. I think they'd confirmed another medal in badminton. So at the end of everything, when when I did catch up with the cricket, uh, my father on one side and on the WhatsApp group, the famed school WhatsApp group, you know, lots of naysayers. Everybody was saying, no, no, England will get up to 280, 300 ahead and they'll, you know, route India. I said, relax, guys, we got this. India will get them out for about 200 uh, with a lead of 200. And India will be 50 for one at the end of the day. And as it turned out, India were 52 for one. And then somebody asked me that, do you think India can win tomorrow? I said, yes, they will, unless the rain has its final say. So that's exactly how it turned out. And today as well, I've already made the prediction. So I'll just repeat that. I think England is going to get bowled out for about 225 or so. So that will leave India about 150 ahead. And then India have to bat well. I mean, it, it cannot afford a poor start because of the sort of fragility in the middle order. Uh, they need to get themselves up to about 325 to 350 ahead. Uh, 
ideally by say the first session on day four and then this match will be in India's grasp. Uh, that said, I mean, England has every chance while Joe Root is out there. So Root is the key batsman, a batter. If India can get him out tomorrow early, then I would fancy their chances of putting a substantial lead just as Varun said. I, I really can't see them getting up to 300. Varun, Deban, and most importantly to you, listener, thank you so much for joining us on ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike. We'll be joining you after day three at Lords.